welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and welcome to the new format for the podcast. We trimmed down and we're running lean. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Grant your faithful, we pray, Almighty God, the resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming, so that gathered at his right hand, they may be worthy to possess the heavenly kingdom. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Isaiah. You, Lord, yourself, are our Father, our Redeemer, is your ancient name. Why, Lord, leave us to stray from your ways and harden our hearts against fearing you? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your inheritance. Oh, that you would tear the heavens open and come down. At your presence the mountains would melt. No ear has heard, no eye has seen, any God but you act like this for those who trust him. You guide those who act with integrity and keep your ways in mind. You were angry when we were sinners. We had long been rebels against you. We were all like men unclean. All that integrity of ours like filthy clothing. We have all withered like leaves and our sins blew us away like the wind. No one invoked your name or roused himself to catch hold of you, for you hid your face from us and gave us up to the power of our sins. And yet, Lord, you are our Father. We the clay, you the potter. We are all the work of your hand. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. O shepherd of Israel, hear us. Shine forth from your cherubim throne. O Lord, rouse up your might. O Lord, come to our help. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. God of hosts, turn again, we implore. Look down from heaven and see. Visit this vine and protect it, the vine your right hand has planted. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face and we shall be saved. May your hand be on the man you have chosen, the man you have given your strength, and we shall never forsake you again. Give us life that we may call upon your name. Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face and we shall be saved. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ send you grace and peace. I never stop thanking God for all the graces you have received through Jesus Christ. I thank him that you have been enriched in so many ways, especially in your teachers and preachers. The witness to Christ has indeed been strong among you so that you will not be without any of the gifts of the Spirit, while you are waiting for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed, and he will keep you steady and without blame until the last day, the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, because God, by calling you, has joined you to his Son, 
Jesus Christ, and God is faithful. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Lord, show us your mercy and love, and grant us your salvation. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Be on your guard, stay awake, because you never know when the time will come. It is like a man travelling abroad. He has gone from home and left his servants in charge, each with his own task. And he has told the doorkeeper to stay awake. So, stay awake because you do not know when the master of the house is coming. Evening, midnight, cock crow, dawn. If he comes unexpectedly, he must not find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well... Today marks the beginning of a new liturgical year. The cycle of Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter, ordinary time starts all over again. And um, I was doing some reading to prepare this homily when I came across a document that lays out the norms uh, for the church's liturgical calendar. It's got loads of facts, which I imagine are probably interesting only to nerds like me. But um, this document is called the GNLYC, the General Norms for the Liturgical Year and Calendar. And it prescribes what feasts are to be celebrated and on what day and what ranks all the liturgical feasts and if it should happen that they clash, which one do you know takes precedence, all that sort of stuff. Now, I bring this up at the risk of boring you all to tears because what I want to tell you is what it says about the season of Advent, which we start today. Well, first of all, it says that the first Sunday of Advent begins on the vigil, that's the Saturday evening, of the Sunday that is closest to November 30th. Well, today is November 29th, so we get full marks for getting that one right. But the document also says this about the season of Advent. Have a listen. This is a quote. Advent has a twofold character, for it is a time of preparation for the solemnities of Christmas, in which the first coming of the Son of God to humanity is remembered, and likewise a time when By remembrance of this, minds and hearts are led to look forward to Christ's second coming at the end of time. For these two reasons, Advent is a period of devout and expectant delight. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Advent is a period of devout and expectant delight. And this is a theme that's going to recur throughout the Advent period, because like it says, the character of the season is a time of preparation for the coming of Christ. Now, this is exactly the theme of the gospel that we've heard. Jesus Christ exhorts us to be attentive. Be awake. Be on your guard, because you do not know when the time will come. But this attentiveness that we need to have is not one that should lead us to anxiety or panic. As the church says, it's a period of devout and expectant delight. We wouldn't want to be asleep for the return of the master because he's the one for whom we are devoutly waiting. He is the one for whom we wait with delight. Now, when you look at the first reading that we have, 
you get a sense of this great yearning with which the prophet Isaiah is waiting for the Lord. He says, Oh, that you would tear the heavens open and come down. At your presence, the mountains would melt. How marvellous would be this coming of God. Now, let's put this passage into a bit of context. This reading from the prophet Isaiah comes at a time when Israel was overrun by Babylon. The Babylonians laid siege to Jerusalem and conquered the Jews. They took the leaders of the people into exile and destroyed the temple. Now, it's hard for us to understand what that might mean for the Jews to lose the temple. Because for them, the temple was the place of God's dwelling. It was the sign that God was in their midst. And the fact that it had been destroyed by the Babylonians was a strong sign. God's gone. He's not among you. And it's in this period that this part of the book of the prophet Isaiah is referring The Israelites are taken captive, transported over to Babylon, you know, which is modern-day Iraq. They've been yanked out of the promised land. And the dwelling place of God, the definitive sign that God was in their midst, had been laid waste. You can hear the passionate cry for God's presence. Oh, that you would tear the heavens open and come down. At your presence, the mountains would melt. The Israelites in exile are pleading with God to return to them. I think that's the kind of waiting that Advent calls for. You know, when we hear the gospel, I think sometimes we can be tempted to think that the kind of waiting that we do is a sort of with dread or with fear. You know, waiting for the master return to kind of catch us out doing what we shouldn't be doing and certainly hoping that the master stays away a little bit longer. So, you know, we've got a bit more time on our own. But I think that's to miss the point of the parable. When the master's away, the house is empty. We might be tempted to think, well, you know, while the master's away, the servants' time's their own. They get to do whatever they like. But when the master's there, the slave driver's home. No, it's the other way around. What do we do when he's gone? Like the Israelites in exile, everything falls apart when he's gone. So maybe the right kind of advent waiting is a, you know, bit like the dog that, you know, sits on the sofa staring out the window waiting for the master to return because, well, what's the point when they're not home? A period of devout and expectant delight. Now, there's a lovely image that comes through in the last lines of the first reading, that of the potter and the clay. This is what we heard. And yet, Lord, you are our father. We the clay, you the potter, we are the work of your hand. The Israelites know that if the Lord is to return to them, they need to change a bit. They need a good bit of conversion because the very reason why God handed them over to the Babylonians and why the temple was destroyed was because they were the ones who had abandoned God first. So the Israelite prayer is this, You are our Father, Lord. We're in your hands like the clay is in the hands of a potter. Lord, you need to shape us in the manner that you want. You are the artist. And you need to make of us what you wish. And that way, we can be pleasing to you. Now, it's a truly brilliant image. And, I mean, it's really apt for Advent. You'll notice that, you know, violet, purple, um, is the liturgical colour of the season, just like it is for Lent. And you'd think that while preparing for the coming of Christ, we would wear something, you know, a bit more festive. Because, after all, we're waiting with devout and expectant delight. But no... No, Advent's got that penitential character to it, a bit like Lent. 
because we recognize that like the Israelites in exile who are waiting for God to come, we need to change a little. We need to be like the clay in the potter's hands. Now, it's here that the analogy starts to break down a little, because we're not just lumps of clay. Clay can't choose whether it wants to cooperate with the potter or not. Clay just kind of is. But we have freedom. We can resist the potter's hands. If you think about the analogy, we can become a kind of dry clay that is unable to be shaped and moulded. A clay that's more likely to break or to crumble in the potter's hands, rather than to be formed. Our waiting in this Advent season needs to have the character of docility. We need to be soft, supple clay in the hands of the potter. It's in that way that we'll be shaped into exactly the design of the artist. And this is how Advent will be for us a period of closer conversion to Christ our Lord, a period of devout and expectant delight. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.